Good morning, Game Changers. Welcome to Life Church X Online. Glad that you're tuning in with us today. I know we've got a lot of people joining us for the very first time. Some of you are revisiting for the second or third occasion. We welcome you. And a lot of you have been with us for weeks now. I want to ask you to do me a favor for just a second, if you would. In the comment section at this point, would you type in the city and state that you're tuning in with us from? We've got people watching from all over the state of Illinois, Missouri, and even other states in the country right now. And we just want to welcome you. We'd love to see where you're from. want to remind you that we are here to pray for you in whatever way we can. You can always text the number 4 and the word prayer, 4 prayer, to the number 94000. And one of our leaders will be in contact with you to see how we can continue praying and standing with you in whatever it is that you're going through. So on that note, let's get into the message this morning. I'm excited. Let's begin with prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we invite you, we permit you, Holy Spirit, to move in our hearts, move in our midst, in every location, every room, every home, wherever we're watching right now. God, we ask you to come have your way in our lives, and bring good things that we know you intend for us. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in light of the fact that Pentecost is approaching in just a few weeks, some of you may know that, some of you may not, the Jewish holiday of Pentecost is on May 29th this year. In the Evangelical Church, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, which will be on May 31st. So in light of that, I want to do a series over the next few weeks around the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know that on Pentecost Sunday, the New Testament church was birthed a couple thousand years ago after the death, resurrection of Jesus, when God poured his Holy Spirit out over sons and daughters, over his children. And, uh, and so Pentecost is approaching quickly. And I'm beginning a series today called The Holy Spirit, Do You Know Him? The Holy Spirit, Do You Know Him? Now, I want you to think about that question for a second. I'm not asking you, have you heard about him? I'm not asking you, do you know of him? A lot of times, we can know about people or have heard things of people, but that might be a completely different experience when we personally get to know the individual. Have you ever had that happen before? I know I have, where I've heard some things about somebody, maybe positive, maybe negative, and it's given me a little bit of a preconceived idea of who they were, only to find out later when I took the time to get to know the person, I thought to myself, wow, I don't see any of those things in that person. They're completely different now that I have had a chance myself to get to know them. And I think it, it's like that a lot with the Holy Spirit uh, in the church even today, that in a lot of groups, you'll, you'll hear people say things like, I've heard about the Holy Spirit, or I've heard of that, but I'm not really sure what it means, or I've heard that he gets a little crazy, or people who have the Holy Spirit are pretty wild, and there's a hesitancy or a reluctance there. If that's you... Can I just ask you to do me a favor for the next number of minutes? Can you just prepare yourself to possibly experience a different reality about who the Holy Spirit is? My, my heart, really, over these next couple of weeks 
is to introduce you to him, the Holy Spirit, who I would say is my best friend. I know him and I know him well. I don't know of him. I know him. And I want you to know him too. And so each one of these messages and these parts are going to have their own title. Today is This Is Not Goodbye. This is not goodbye. So let's go to scripture and let's begin reading out of the gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Verses 8 through 10 read this. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, of course, we know that the context of these verses we just read are when Mary Magdalene, and who the Bible refers to as the other Mary, arrive at the tomb of Jesus. He's already been crucified. He's been in the tomb for a few days. They arrive at the tomb, and he's gone. He's no longer there. And then Jesus, in resurrected form, again, he's defeated the grave, conquered death. He's resurrected. He appears to them. This is the biblical account of the first sighting of Jesus resurrected. Let me just bring something to your attention for a moment. Mary Magdalene is the first one to see the resurrected Jesus. Mary Magdalene is also the person who we see earlier in the Bible Jesus cast seven demons out of. We don't know exactly what all of her sins were, what her mess was or her baggage was, but we know that she had to have a lot of issues because Jesus cast seven different demons out of her, but he set her free, he liberated her from bondage, and she experienced restoration that Jesus only can bring. And she's the first one to see him whenever he's risen from the grave. I love this because it makes me think about the statement that Jesus makes earlier in the, in the scriptures when he's still walking the earth. He says, whoever is least among you will be the greatest. There's something that's so significant about being humble, knowing where we came from, and always having a great sense of appreciation and gratitude for everything that God has done in and through us. To the point that our worship is just always pouring forth for him. I think that that's part of the picture that Jesus wants us to get. in the fact that Mary Magdalene was the first one to see him after the resurrection. But I was reading these verses just a few months ago. Again, we're getting into a series around the Holy Spirit here today. I was reading these verses a few months ago. And something jumped out at me that I had never seen before. Never really caught my attention before. You ever have that happen when you're reading the Bible? A familiar story, you've read it many times, all of a sudden something just sticks out at you. God illuminates something for you that you hadn't seen before. Well, the thing that caught my attention more recently were these words from Jesus saying, do not be afraid. I don't know why it jumped out at me, but I just thought, well, why are they afraid? What's, what's going on here? Jesus is there. And so I dug in a little bit deeper, and here's what I saw. That the women 
fell to the feet of Jesus to worship him. We know that's appropriate. That's always an appropriate response in the presence of God. He's deserving of our worship, and he's petitioning our worship always. So there's clear uh, appropriate reaction in that way. But she's grabbing his feet and holding on. So I studied that a little bit, and it actually shows us the picture that we would see is that they're holding on, they're grasping, they're seizing almost in an aggressive way. And this is what God began to show me, is that they were holding on so tightly because they didn't want Jesus to leave them. They were afraid that he was going to go and depart again. In order to understand that, we've really got to grasp what was happening in these chapters in the story prior to this, before Jesus was crucified, there's a whole series of events that take place at the Last Supper. Between John 13 and 16, we see a lot of this exchange and conversation where Jesus gives some indication to the disciples that he's getting ready to go away. He's getting ready to leave. Think about that. They've been walking with Jesus for years now. Around him, is, they find joy, peace, comfort, security. Of course, everything that our Savior offers. And he told them that he had to leave. Of course we would be afraid. Of course we would be concerned if we felt like that was going and departing from us. So Jesus said those things, and then he was crucified. He went into the tomb, and now all of a sudden, here he is again. But now he's resurrected. Makes complete sense to me when I think about it like that. That Mary and the other Mary would grasp on and hold on for dear life and say, Jesus, I'm not letting go. You're not leaving me this time. You're not going away. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. You know, Katie and I have went on some trips before where we've been gone for an extended period of time. And with our little kids... Whenever they know we're getting ready to leave and the day is coming, it's one thing. But when the day comes and it's finally time for us to go, where we're going to be gone for, say, a week or more. You know, I love this, but our kids, man, they just start clinging to us. They hold on to our legs. They squeeze, Mom, Dad, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to leave. The reality of it is setting in. And so now there's this completely different behavior that they're displaying because they don't want us to go. That tells me, that picture shows me a lot of what I think Mary was experiencing in those moments. Let's visit a few of the scriptures in John 13, just a little earlier when Jesus was giving indication about the fact that he was getting ready to leave. John chapter 13, 33 says this, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I've said to the Jews, where I am going, you, not, you cannot come. And jump down to verse 36 here. Peter pipes in. Peter says this, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him and said, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. So you see this is Jesus, he's telling them, I'm getting ready to go. My, my time here with you is ending. And of course, they don't like it. We wouldn't like it either. 
except for the fact that because Jesus is getting ready to do what he's getting ready to do, because he is getting ready to leave, he's actually preparing the way for something better and something greater for us. And that's the reality that doesn't set in until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. It doesn't set in fully for them. Now listen, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, listen to what Jesus says here. He says, Now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You see that right there. There's a response, a reaction They're sorrowful, they're saddened, because Jesus is letting them know that he's getting ready to depart. Verse 7, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is it right here, this is huge. It is to your advantage that I go away. How can it be to my advantage, Jesus? How can it be to my advantage that you're leaving, Jesus? Explain that to me, and help me understand, because I don't want you to go You're here. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You're going to have to help me understand this, Jesus. So let's read on. He says that it's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Wow. This is how it's to our advantage. Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh. He's the incarnation. So he's walked the earth as a man, fully God yet fully man. And his time is ending because he has to now become the sacrifice, the Lamb of God. But he's introducing a part of himself, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and then begin to relate to Sons and daughters of God in a new way, a fresh way that's different than has ever been experienced before. And it's the fact that the Holy Spirit is coming and will come to be with us that makes it to our advantage that Jesus would go. I want you to hear that today. I want you to get this message loud and clear that the fact that God sends his Holy Spirit to his children is to our advantage. And Jesus said, it's a better situation for you that I go and the Holy Spirit comes. Now, if that's the case, which we know it is, then that must mean that there is a level of intimacy, closeness, and relationship that can be found in the Holy Spirit, even yet today for us, that was even better than being on the earth and walking with Jesus, God, in the flesh. That kind of blows my mind. I don't know about you, but I want you to just think about that for a moment. So Jesus says that I'm going to send the helper, which we know is the Holy Spirit. Now that word in the Greek, helper, is the word parakletos. So what does that mean? Para means to be alongside or to be close to. Kletos comes from the root word kaleo, which means to advise or to counsel. This is awesome. 
it means that the Holy Spirit, the helper, literally comes right alongside of us, is walking right with us, closer than any relationship we can have could be, and he walks closely to advise and counsel, direct, and lead our path. Man, it's starting to make sense how this is a better way, how this is an improved situation for us to have a relationship with God in a way where we can experience this kind of closeness and this kind of intimacy. Let's go to John chapter 14 and read verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, get this, and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So a couple of things I just want to point out to you here. He says, I will come to you, and he says, I will send the helper. So that's indication right there that the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, we know that to be the Trinity, God in three persons. It's a bit of a mystery, but we must recognize that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing. He's a person, and he's God. And so when Jesus says that I will come, he's saying I'm going to return, but he's saying the Holy Spirit's coming, meaning God is going to come. And it says, listen, he will live in you. He will be in you. So here's what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to get poured out over sons and daughters in the birth of the New Testament church in a way like never before, is now the presence of God becomes the indwelling presence in our bodies, these earthly temples. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Folks, you can't get more up close and personal than that. Do you see why I'm so passionate about this? This affords us the opportunity to know God in a way like never before, to walk with the Holy Spirit and to receive his counsel and advisement and be so close that we're literally with him every breath of every day. That's the reality that Jesus was trying to get them to understand so they could recognize that a better day, hard to imagine it could have got better than being with Jesus, but a better day was coming because the Holy Spirit would indwell them and the presence of God would literally now rest and live on the inside of human hearts. Man, blows my mind. Yes, you've got to know the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need a close personal relationship with Him. And yes, he will be the friend to you that sticks closer than a brother. I want to finish with this final verse in John chapter 14, verse 23. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
man, doesn't that just bring a peace and a calm to your soul today? Jesus saying, my Father and I will come when the Holy Spirit comes and we'll make our home with you. God wants that kind of relationship with you and me and every one of us. He's inviting us into that. Jesus suffered and died so that we could be forgiven of our sin, and he made a way for God to then send the Holy Spirit and to cleanse people, forgiven people, who now the presence of God could literally come to live and dwell on the inside of because the taintedness of our sin has been washed away. Jesus had to do that before the presence of God could literally indwell human hearts. In the weeks ahead, I want to introduce you more and more to what this relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like in all of the things that are afforded to children of God who know Him and walk closely with Him. As we close today, I want to ask you this question. Do you know the Holy Spirit? And do you know him well? Maybe you're in one of several situations. One, you've never given your heart to God. Maybe you've heard the stories before, grew up in church, but never really surrendered your life to Christ. If that's the case, I want to ask you right now to open up your heart to him. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit will come to live on the inside of you. And you will become what the Bible refers to as born again, meaning you are living spiritually and alive spiritually on the inside. But maybe you're in a different situation. Maybe you've grew up in church your whole life. Maybe you've given your heart to Jesus, but you've never really pursued or understood that you could pursue a close and personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is drawing people into that right now. This is a new day and a new time that we live in like never before. I can't think of a more important thing for every one of us to have right now than a close and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit so that he may lead, guide, counsel, and advise you in every step, in every season of your life going forward. If you want to open up your heart, give your life to Christ, or ask God to begin to reveal more of his Holy Spirit to you in a fresh and powerful way, would you pray with me? I'll lead you in this prayer. It's not about the words. It really is just about the intention of your heart. If you mean business with God right now, this is what I believe, is that God is going to rain down, literally like rain, the Holy Spirit is going to fall in homes, in places right now, all over our communities. You will begin to feel the tangible presence of God as he fills people with his spirit and begins to stir up a fresh and passionate relationship with the Holy Spirit and many as well. Let's just approach God and petition him. We say, dear Father God, we ask you right now that you would move in our midst we give our lives to you. We surrender our lives to you. We open our hearts fully, God. We make you Lord. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and 
Make us a new creation, God. Make us alive spiritually. Send your Holy Spirit right now. Father, in Jesus' name, send your Holy Spirit. Fill men and women, young and old, all over the place right now in this very moment, God. Those who already know you but have never encountered the passionate relationship with your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour it out right now and baptize them, God, in your spirit afresh right now in a powerful, powerful way. Lord, that they get a taste of you that leaves them in a position and a place where they can never be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, I just want to thank you again for tuning in with us today. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your relationship with the Holy Spirit would go to more levels of intimacy than it ever has before. And I'm looking forward to getting into the next number of weeks ahead as we dig and dive in further to what the scriptures say about this person of God known as the Holy Spirit that I want you to know in a deeper way. God bless you. Have an awesome day.